Welcome to Training Room Talk, where we discuss all things performance, rehab, and education. Dr. Ray Carr. How's everyone doing today? Coach Rob Rabina. How we doing? And student physical therapist Alex Stewart. How are you? He has about, how much longer do you have left with us, Alex? About a month till test and graduation time coming up soon. Oh man, crunch time. Cool. Anyway guys, today we want to talk about um, headaches and neck tightness. So we were just kind of talking as we're preparing um, for the podcast today. Um, and we feel Rob will get a lot of people as a strength coach that come in and just be like, Rob, my, my neck's tight today. What should I do? Um, and he, he shared with us some of his strategies, with, which he'll share with you guys later. Um, and then we, as physical therapists, myself, Ray, and Alex, um, will often see people for um, neck pain. Um, sometimes it's chronic and chronic migraine type pain. And sometimes it is just general tightness. Um, other times it's because of like a whiplash injury or um, that may have happened in some an accident, um, but the, in in the world that we live in, where we see mostly active, healthy people, um, we're seeing a lot of so neck. So, the way that we'll assess someone is it a stability problem or is it a mobility problem specifically in the neck? Um, is it a lack of um, bony mobility or is soft tissue holding back mobility? And if soft tissue is holding back mobility. Um, is it because someone's trying to find stability through their neck region so all the muscles are tensioning them up to kind of promote or promote stability in a compensatory fashion? Um, if it's bony, there's often things we can do to promote um, better mobility, like whether it's a manipulation or we need to, um, whether it's a bony manipulation or it's a soft tissue type manipulation, um, there's some things we can do to that just depending on what the pathology is. Um, if it is this kind of stability-driven pain, um, then we have to look even more proximal than the neck. If you're thinking proximal stability before mo um, distal mobility, um, increased neck tightness may be because of a thorax or a rib cage and even a pelvis that aren't in good positions and you can't create good pressure to stabilize from the inside out through your torso. So when you try to stabilize um, extremities, which would include your neck, away from um, a good foundation of trunk stability, you might have to, if you don't have it, you might end up going to compensatory ways of stabilizing, uh, i.e. tensing upper traps and scalenes um, and some of your the muscles that connect at the base of your skull, which is what a lot of people complain of um, with the neck pain. Um, unfortunately, sometimes postures people carry, like if it's a, a high school student who's sitting in class all day for eight hours and then they go home and study for another two or three every night doing homework. Um, sometimes the postures will feed into the neck tightness, um, but there are some strategies in ways that they're maybe sitting in their chair, the, the way that they have their computer or their books positioned on the desk in front of them um, that can negate some of um, the tightness that they're feeling, and we'll get into that as well. Um, but basically, those are just some initial thoughts. Um, we're always assessing as physical therapists whether it's a stability or mobility problem. And um, Rob, what are some of the strategies you'll use if you do have an athlete come into the gym um, and they're complaining of neck tightness? Yeah, so I see this, you know, not super, super 
like often, but I do see it. Um, and one of the things that I see is just like an overuse of the neck. Um, there's necks always, they're using it for everything. There's kind of like exactly what John just said, stability, breathing. So the first thing that I try to do is try to teach proper breathing mechanics without always breathing up through their, their neck and their, and their upper chest and their traps. Um, as primary breathing muscles, so try to just reteach the proper breathing pattern, and then just any you know self massage technique of the of the traps of the rotator cuff, um, just to help decrease any muscular tone or any you know muscular issues that could be arising through the neck. Um, you know, other than that, don't do a ton of like neck specific exercises. Uh, might do just like a neck you know uh, controlled articular rotation, just like an FRC car. Um, other than that, that's pretty much my extent of uh, neck training and how I would try to help someone with some sort of neck tightness. More often than not, I would definitely refer to uh, physical therapists if someone is complaining of some neck issues, um, just because it's a very sensitive area. It needs you need to have you know proper training and knowledge of of that of that structures and of the area. So, um, but you know that's pretty much all I do for for neck. Tightness, um, you know. I think, you know, one, I guess, question for you guys is, is how, how important is so we see forward head posture a lot, like compensations. Like, how big of an impact do you think that has on people's neck tightness issues, or you know, why are people jamming their head forward for a lot of activities? That's a loaded question, Rob. Um, and I think I'm going to take a step back and maybe and get back to that question. Um, remind me. Um, but you said something very interesting about um, using like upper traps and scalenes and some of those muscles as primary muscles of respiration. Um, maybe we can quiz Alex here. Alex, what are the primary muscles of respiration um, that people no yeah that people should be using primarily um, to breathe? Obviously, you want to use the, the big the big muscle. You want to use the diaphragm is huge, and being able to really expand the lower portion of your rib cage. Uh, also, being able to use like your intercostals, and getting expansion um, anterior to posterior of the upper uh, rib handle motions of the rib cage. Uh, and I think some of the some of the big issues is you kind of see when we go into like an overexertion uh, phase with a lot of our athletes is we we start seeing the scalenes pop, we start seeing the upper traps pop because we're trying to find a way to find stability in that upper neck, the upper extremities, when either you see somebody pitching a baseball, like a lot of that right-sided issues in the neck or really starting to try and strain is we're not able to really fill our the lower half of our rib cage and breathe under pressure. So we kind of have to go to these other big muscles and big contributors in order to really draw air into that rib cage, which is some of the issues that we have. What well, well, the test, John? Yeah, okay. a little bit. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, um, at, at rest, there should be like a passive exhale as the diaphragm recoils, and then, um, of course, you got the muscles of respiration inhalation. But um, there are times when you want to use some of those accessory muscles that f flow up in your neck, like your upper traps and, and scalenes and some of that stuff, and that's when you're breathing heavy and you need a little bit more ribcage expansion. Um, the issue lies where you're using those things at rest, right? Um, so, th so that would be considered a compensatory um, breathing pattern right. right so so now working into your forward head question Rob when you're we're getting into lower cervical flexion and upper cervical extension 
Um, that's people maybe trying to open up an airway because they have problems in, in the esophagus or they're not getting expansion lower in the rib cage. Um, but then all, the, all the time you see issues um, contributing to like suboccipital or like right at the base of your neck um, starts to get tight because there's always on um, a muscle shortened or concentric contraction to kind of hold your head upright so you can see forward and you're not constantly looking down. Um, so yes, you're all, th th those issues do cause um, some problems. And that could turn into like these people we see with chronic migraines. Um, we see a ton. Of course, there's all kinds of medical issues that could contribute to chronic migraines. But I think when um, typical course is a person like this will go to their um, general practitioner and the general practitioner will say, oh, chronic migraines, here's a med, or they'll refer to a neurologist when a med doesn't work. Um, and neurologists, because I think they're so um, – they, they see so many like really bad things going on like in the head and the brain and all that kind of stuff. They right away get like this huge workup and everything comes back negative and they're just kind of, it's like CYA, like cover your ass as they're just ruling things out so they don't miss like the big, um, the brain tumor or any of that kind of stuff, right? But then they're like, all right, try this med, doesn't work, try this med, doesn't work. And then they skip over the fact that there could just be a stress in this chronic tension looking for stability because it's a little bit more esoteric. Um, and we see a lot of results just by good results just by helping these people calm down with some good manual techniques and then promoting stability from the inside out proximal and then working into the extremities. Um, so I think it's very important like if you're someone that's dealing with chronic migraines and you've ex you feel like you've ex exhausted all your options because you've seen neuro and none of the meds work. Um, find a physical therapist that thinks in terms of like stability versus mobility and is good um, with their manual techniques, and that may be able to provide you with some relief. So, John, real quick, can I follow up the question? Mm -hmm. Forehead posture is a good thing? Not necessarily. Okay. It depends. Okay. Right. So, yeah, so um, definitely, but there, there's a lot more that goes into it than just trying to get someone to retract um, their head to get their ears right. over their shoulders that's and that's all the way down. Right. Yeah. Um, so you need a thorough assessment to properly address forward head posture instead of just saying, hey, um, bring your chin back so your ears are in this, what textbooks consider proper posture where your ears are over your shoulders and so on and so forth. Yeah, I think you guys have mentioned some great points up to, up to right now, and I agree with everything. Um, typically, like, I'll talk a little bit more about what we see in the clinic as physical therapists. Um, typically, I feel like most neck cases are stability cases. Um, even in those that may seem like a mobility case, it's, you know, I, I really, I challenge you, try to give someone stability and then recheck that motion. Um, but in general, when they initially come in, a lot of times we use more like passive modalities, maybe needling, maybe adjustment, um, soft tissue work as part of like inhibition to kind of try to turn things off since since people really do like to use their upper traps for stability and, um, and whatnot. So, and then after that, once we restore and kind of calm down symptoms and restore uh, motion, uh, I think trying to put the person and individual in different positions, like even if you go like a, maybe a high to low chop and try to facilitate that rotation left if, or maybe you're working right, um, and try to become as functional as you can, as specific as you can, to whatever that patient's goals are and getting back to. Um, making them utilize and use that motion through functional movement, um, not just isolated movement, which I feel like you see a lot 
in uh, your general general PT clinics. Uh, I know you guys mentioned the chin tucks. I, I feel the same way about those. I feel like if you're going to train that, you have to train it very specific to certain positions. Maybe you're working with a lifter. That's where you need to be cueing that. You know, if you're working with an ice skater, I don't know. You need to cue it there then. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. Right. When you're doing soft tissue, what specific areas or muscles are you targeting, you know, specifically? Yeah. Um, know, commonly, not not. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's so, a little different. But. Yeah, I mean, migraines, you know, suboccipitals, upper trap, levator, those are those are the big players. Um, scalings for sure too um, because really I think there's 13 types of headaches and but like 80% of them are tension related so if you think about it if you're shortened back in that area like John mentioned right it's going to create like a downward pull of your of your cranium which creates more tension in the front of the head which is kind of why we end up with our headache there um, so yeah releasing those muscles inhibiting those muscles getting those things to turn off just for even a little bit can give your your patient or your athlete a lot of relief yeah, and I think a lot of that tension, right, is coming from, it, it might present like we might be having like a mobility issue in the clinic, right? But the whole reason that we have all that tension is maybe because of that upper trap or some of the other muscles or the, the, the upper back are kind of trying to create that tension in order to increase the stability, right, that we're seeing in our neck. So maybe it might be presenting in the clinic that we're having a mobility issue where really maybe it's a lack of mobility because of the decreased stability that we had at initial contact, right? You guys want to talk about maybe your initial you know assessment of someone of the neck like what kind of tests are you doing to maybe differentiate you know um, all these different neck issues that we've been talking about um, I mean for me it, it turns into checking out whole body position so checking hip position checking thorax position um, which will give us a, a rib cage um, position which directly affects um, neck articulations and how people are creating stability up the chain. Then you're checking um, like lower cervical, upper cervical, um, active range of motion, passive range of motion. You're checking, um, you're listening to breathing mechanics, you're watching them breathe. Um, there's a couple tests that will take them through to see where they may be moving air into and out of. Um, and then getting into, like Ray said, 80% of headaches um, are tension related. What's, what's their home life like? What's um, what kinds of things may be leading to this tension? Are they stressed? Are there things outside of um, a possible orthopedic condition or whatever the you know a PT lens that could be impacting the outcomes of you know the manual techniques and the interventions that we're able to provide? Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, it just it's as Ray mentioned, it's choosing the right um, input, the right exercise, but then also the right um, the right load. Right. Sometimes you don't need load. Sometimes a little bit of load will cause a person to revert, revert back into what they know creates stability for them. And they'll go right right away into this high threshold stabilization compensatory technique where it just jacks up their, um, you know, those apical muscles of re respiration. Yeah. 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 I don't know if you've seen this, Rob. Like, have you seen anybody with like maybe like lack of like shoulder flexion possibly going into that over like overarching forward head posture trying to compensate for that shoulder flexion maybe causing pain in the neck something um, like the overhead lifts yeah not I mean I see a lot of forward head compensation I see that a lot yeah um, but as far as having forward head compensations with any like shoulder discomfort um, I yes and no I think everyone's a little bit different I don't think I have you know a nice hard trend of this is what I'm seeing this is what I'm seeing but um, you know, for the most part, like I said, if it's 
if it's neck pain or something nasty above the shoulders, um, send him an email. <laughs> well, so I think, Alex, with that, we, we'll see it in, like, Olympic lifters, and we'll see it in, in CrossFit with some of the things that they have to hit, like in an American swing where the the standard is getting your head through and ears in front of your sh- um, elbows, right? Like there where people are lacking shoulder flexion, like they just crush their head forward in between their elbows, so they, yeah. they hit a rep, right? So um, it just – that depends on the sport and the task yeah. at hand, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. All right, do you like the? I know the SFMA has like this neck. Yeah, neck test, I right? mean, I think like in terms of assessment, Are they like standing. Yeah, but then standing? when you go into the breakouts, you look at it's pretty much the exact same thing same that John, John mentioned. Yeah. You're looking at pretty much active versus passive, gravity diminished. Back, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so initially in the SFMA, yeah, you start standing, you'll run through, you know, your top tier, and then so say you know, right rotation maybe is the most limited. That's ideally where you want to start. Um, and look at there, and you would, you know, have them come up supine and then look at active versus passive, gravity versus gravity diminished, that sort of thing, go from there. Um, Another uh, thing you guys were talking about just with stress and uh, assessing some of that thing from a patient education standpoint um, is sleep. It's something positionally that um, if your patient or client happens to be maybe in the wrong position or sleeping, you know, it's something that, you know, generally speaking, we all try to do about one-third of our day. So if someone's sleeping in a position that's, you know, you know somewhat harmful and causing those soft tissue restrictions or just any kind of path, uh, you know, pathology. Stick neck. Yeah, so, yep. so that's something I always try to assess and, um, and look at for uh, patients, too. Well, and then vision comes into it, too. Like if someone's not wearing the, the right type of um, mm-hmm. um Glasses or any of that kind of stuff, like a strain. TMJ. TMJ stuff. Is that like any like temporal? Like you guys get into any of that? Yeah. I mean, so I feel like there's always, I feel like TMJ, like, I mean, it's not something we see a whole lot of. Right. um, But the cases I have seen, I feel like there's always an association or a correlation between TMJ um, and migraines or some kind of headache. Right, like yeah, there's a connection all, yeah. there. Um, so yeah, a lot of times when I am treating for headaches, if I am going around to like temporalis, mm-hmm. masseter, mm-hmm. a lot of those muscles also play a big role in the right. on the TMJ joint. So um, kind of taking care of both there. I think like everything, it's just multifactorial. Yeah. Like you have to look at all this stuff we've mentioned so far, take into account what's going on outside that, you know, vision or stress and and how can you impact that stuff as both a strength coach and a therapist? Um, don't just think about um, some of the orthopedic things that we can't control, I guess. Think, look outside a little bit, especially with necks. Um, and then look distally or like more proximally and, and see how that might be impacting where people are trying to get their stability from. Excellent, guys. Um, So that's all we have for today regarding neck pain and migraines. As always, if you guys have any questions, um, please shoot an email to jherting at thetrainingroompt.com. And please, if you like what we're doing, please share with um, some of your colleagues, friends, family, and just help spread the word so that we can continue to get some of our information out there. Until next time, thank you, guys.